Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Blake Street Irregulars, your local Colorado Rockies podcast. I say good afternoon because I don't know when you are listening to this, but I do know when we're recording it, the Rockies are set to face the Braves down at Coors Field, which is just a hop, step, and a jump. From TAP14, our sponsor here the Blake Street Regulars at 1920 Blake Street. They are right on the rooftop of Haters & Co. I am here probably... I love the place, but probably too often, to be totally honest. <laughs> and uh, it's a terrific rooftop bar. The waitresses bar. know you drink, they, don't they, they? they? They know me by yeah, name. Yeah, they yeah. know my, you know, it's a, it's it's like my cheers. So it's not a bad place to be. But you can get to the back and forth to Coors Field in a snap. It's a perfect place for, for pregame, postgame, or even if you don't have tickets, you can watch it on the big screens up here on the roof. Enjoy a little Colorado summer sun. So that's where we are today. Make sure you check them out at tap14.com. Spell out the number, tap14.com. My name is Sean Drotar. With me is Ryan Green. You can follow me at sdrotar on Twitter if you'd like, S-D-R-O-T-A-R, if you don't know how to spell Drotar, which is completely and totally forgivable. <laughs> or Ryan Green, who literally just changed just his Twitter it. name, so I haven't had it memorized yet. It's, Welcome, Ryan. It's RG Mile High. Oh, that's not Ryan bad. Green, RG Mile High. That's better. Bingo. How come everybody has more cool Twitter names? <laughs> It was tough. I went through at least three different tries. I, I, I guess I blame my parents since I just go with my own name. So that's, that's part of that. As we record this, we're talking about the Rockies are going to try and close out the series to, against the Braves with a win. Win three out of four. They had the disappointing loss on Tuesday. And then the offense caught fire yesterday. Uh, 17 runs, 14 0 at one point before basically yeah. both teams threw in the towel. Yeah. Ended up 17 2. Carlos Gonzalez, not part of that offensive explosion. Uh, we might save that for another day. The Rockies will have a choice to make when either Ian Desmond or David Dahl becomes ready to play in the outfield. But at this point, they're probably stuck with whatever Cargo can do. But when you look at this team now with the return to the rotation of Chad Bettis, Kyle Freeland returned from the disabled list on Tuesday. The Rockies finally have a five-man rotation in John Gray, in Bettis, in Freeland, in Herman Marquez and in Jeff Hoffman that seems to be not only acceptable for the rest of the year, but maybe for a couple years to come. Absolutely. This is the lineup you hope to have for years to come. You see the young talent in Hoffman, Marquez, you know, Freeland. John Gray is your ace. You know that. Chad Bettis is a fantastic two. And so if you can get those other three guys that have shown really good stuff, I love the Marquez curveball. I think that's one of the best pitches the Rockies have on the team at the moment. Freeland, People say you can't throw a curve at Coors. You can. It's yeah. just not easy. <laughs> yes. And it helps when it's offset by a 98-mile-per-hour heater. Right. Uh, Freeland has kind of come into his own over the past, or the second half of the season, or at least after his near-no-hitter. And then if you can uh, – Hoffman's been, I think, the sketchiest of the five at the moment. But I've seen enough from him to where I go, no, that's a, he's a good pitcher. They just need to really tap into it. I think what you're saying is while you, you, you do have, you know, visions and, and hopes for the starting rotation over the next several years because the Rockies have never had that, even just having it set this year for the rest of the year I think is going to benefit the Rockies a ton. I think it's just finally good to finally get Chad Bettis back, and it's good to have... Bettis and Gray as sort of the veterans and then those young pitchers just getting experience. I think that's where the team is at right now. I think that lineup is about as solid as you would want. Yeah, the, the pitching is, is probably, at least on paper and, and certain point to effect, as good as the Rockies have ever had it. They have a solid five-man rotation. 
You have Antonio Sanzatella in long relief and can spot right. start. Uh -huh. You have uh, Tyler Chatwood now moved to, to middle relief, long relief in the bullpen. You have arguably, and we're talking about only, I know, two-thirds of a season, maybe the best closer the Rockies have ever had in, in You're not Greg kidding. Holland. Yeah. Holland, by the way, in case you were curious, has played yeah. two-thirds of a season, is in the Rockies' top ten all-time in saves. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, well, wow, all right. Yeah, so let you know that that's not necessarily hyperbole on yeah, my yeah. part. Uh, we're talking about a guy that's in the top ten on the team in history in saves, and he's played only two-thirds of one season. So you have, you have set-up guys that are talented. You have Dunn. You added Neshek. There's a lot of excitement for the Rockies pitching staff. And while they're not the Dodgers, and no one expects them to be, it, it's probably as good as the Rockies can hope for. Right. Now that we're about roughly six weeks to the end of the season, they lead the wild card race by one over the Diamondbacks, but four over the Cardinals, five over the Brewers. The Brewers are the next team in town. So the Rockies have had a couple blips. They had the, they had the loss against the Braves on Tuesday when Nolan Arenado made a late, uh, an uncharacteristic error, an unfortunate loss in a game they probably should have won, but you at least can write that off and go, hey, 162 games, even Nolan Arenado is gonna make an error. Every once in a while, you live with it. But this Brewers series actually looms pretty large. They don't have to sweep, but they do seem to have to win two of three and make sure they yeah. don't lose any ground. You don't want this two-team race to become a three-team race or a four-team race. Yes. You don't want to let the Brewers back in. So this looming series here is going to be very fascinating for me to see how it works out. And an interesting homecoming for one of the, the Rockies. Other, we talked about Pat Neshek, their other trade deadline acquisition, Jonathan Lucroy, yeah. who was having a down season offensively before being traded since he's come to Colorado, hitting, oh, 333, not too shabby, no. and doing a terrific job with the Rockies' young pitching staff. Ar Arenado called him the basically the missing piece after he was acquired, saying they needed a guy like this, not only offensively, but to handle these young pitchers. Absolutely. I think the one part that I'm worried about the Rockies so far is that it seems like, and this has been a, a theme throughout the season, when the offense is hot, the pitching is cold, and when the pitching is hot, the offense is cold. Now, I don't know whether that's leading up to a month and a culmination where they actually just get it together and make that playoff run, or if that's going to evolve into just the same inconsistency throughout the season and it's going to hurt them and, and not get them into the wild card. But I think you hit it. I think they have to just concentrate on winning series at the moment, or at least avoiding a losing streak. You can't have that seven-game losing streak or losing right. you know, eight out of ten. If you have that three-game streak against the Marlins, then yeah, the next series you better win three out of four against the Braves. That's, that's what you need to expect from the Colorado Rockies this season. Because as long as the season is, we are now reaching the point where the season is getting really short. There's not a lot of time left. So if you're losing ground, you really don't have that time to make it up anymore. So that's what you want to see. You just want to see a consistent play from all facets of the team. When we've seen that the offense can hit, we've seen that pitching can be lights out. But I haven't seen it, seen those two facets work together over a long period of time this season. And I hope, I'm just hoping that it's leading up to that. Well, what you're seeing is what manager Bud Black is seeing. And he referred to it after last night's game when he said that they, they haven't been able to get both things the offense and the pitching, hitting at the get on the same cylinders, hitting at the same time. In August, until the 17-run explosion, the Rockies had averaged 2.7 runs per game, Gross. and had not scored more than three in any of their wins. So that's a team that needs to score more than that. You have, it's gotten better. Health has gotten better, but you're still talking about 
three guys who are rookies in your five-man rotation. Mm -hmm. You have to give them a cushion. You have to yeah. give them support during their rookie campaigns. It's absolutely critical. The, the Rockies understand that uh, Gonzalez, they're having a guy that's having the worst year of his career by a wide margin. Uh -huh. The odd part is his strikeout-to-walk ratio is actually a little bit better than career average. <laughs> so it doesn't seem like he all of a sudden just got old. He's just not seeing the ball. I don't right. know what it is. Yeah, they're so. going to have to fix it in the offseason. Trevor Story with two home runs in that 17-run uh, explosion for the Rockies, hitting seven points lower than Gonzalez, uh -huh. though the on-base percentage is higher and the slugging is higher. So the and Rockies... defense is pretty good. Defense is pretty good. And, and Gonzalez is, still right. looks like a gold Absolutely. lover in right. Nobody even runs on him from reputation alone. But this team does seem to hit in bunches, and, and that can be a good thing. In a one-game potential wild card, that's a good thing. Yes. You know that you can hit in bunches. But at the same time, it leaves you to sort of a, a peaks and valleys type of offense. And that's what the Rockies have dealt with all season long. Coming down to this, I, I think anybody who looks at the Rockies season and looks at their record this late in the season and says they're a fraud is being ridiculous. They're the fifth right. best record in all of baseball. Absolutely. The only reason it, we're not going completely bonkers down here on Blake Street in Denver is because the Dodgers are on pace to break the Mariners' record right. for regular season they're wins. They're disgustingly good. Yeah, it's a freak show. And so people look at the Rockies and say, well, yeah, they're competing for the wild card. Well, if the Dodgers weren't having the season they'd be having, the Rockies would be competing or even leading the NL West right. and be in contention for home, home field throughout the playoffs. Uh -huh. So it's not a mirage. The question is here, let's look at just these last two weeks. Because when the calendar turns to September, all but three games are within the NL West. Those three games are against the Marlins that just swept them. Okay. So it feels like this these two weeks here, with the Braves finishing today and the Brewers coming up next, the Rockies have to, if you'll pardon the, uh, the farmhand vernacular, make hay while the sun shines. Right. Get going. When you look at the way the team's starting to break out, uh, if you were scouting the Rockies, Ryan, you said, all right, where are the weak spots in the offense? We know about the pitching. We know that there are weak spots in the pitching. But how do you defuse the Rockies' offense? They're a swing-and-miss team. Yeah. And when they swing and miss, the Rockies have games where they have four strikeouts as a team, and they have games where they have 16 strikeouts as a team. How do you attack them in a way that at least the Rockies can look at film and say, this is how we shore things up? Boy, I mean, that's a good question. Because I don't know how you attack inconsistency. Because it's a young team still. The Rockies are a young team, and that's where you see Trevor Story struggle at the plate. You see you see them collectively struggle at the plate. And, you know, they don't have just a few guys with, with slumps and a few guys hitting great. They, it never really evens out. They're, they're always, you know, like you said, they're either not scoring a lot of runs or they're scoring 17 runs. So I don't know how you attack that, but I would be an aggressive pitcher or pitching staff. I would try and show, no, look, we are, we are not afraid of your potential because we know what your low point is. And that's what we're going for. We think we have you in the groove where you're not going to be hitting 17 runs. We think we're in your head and we're going to, that's what I would do. I would just aggressively attack the strike zone. We would say, dare you. And if that means that you do get shelled one game, but then shut the Rockies out for one, I, I think that's a win. Well, when you look at the Rockies statistics, the problem is when this team, all almost all its batters, and yes, every batter in the major league have this issue, but the Rockies are worse. Get ahead of the count. So I think your your instinct there is right. When you get ahead of the count, the Rockies have problems. Carlos Gonzalez on Tuesday, 
in a critical point in the in the late innings, struck out after swinging at a second strike that bounced. It yeah. bounced. Yeah, I was there. I was look. <laughs> I was looking at it with my own eyes, and that that pitch bounced for it. it. Got to home plate. So, this is a team. When you look at Gonzalez, when you look at Story, even when you look at Charlie Blackman, if the you can get early strikes on these guys, uh-huh. they they get maybe over aggressive. Yeah. And so attacking the strike zone has uh, two different advantages for opposing teams. One, it gets them ahead of the count, more than likely. Two, it reduces the amount of pitches they throw, which is valuable not only for that individual pitcher at the starting, but for the bullpen as well. It's been almost a quarter century here in Colorado. We've had now Major League Baseball, and there's been one consistent part of all of it. If you're playing a series against a team, the first team to dig deep into that other club's bullpen ends up usually winning that series. Right. So the way to combat the Rockies is to make sure you get ahead on the count through early strikes. For the Rockies, it seems to me that even though they have the talented guys, with some with huge numbers, patience at the plate, something I've been harping on all year, still hasn't come around. Are we at a point where you look at the team and, and you say, all right, they just are who they are? Or is there something that they can learn the lessons of the season and still improve at least incrementally down the stretch? Man, at this point, you know, you've seen enough Trevor Story strikeouts to find it hard to believe the latter, you know? And you find it, I think we've passed the point where Carlos Gonzalez was having a slump and now he's just having the worst season he's had of his career. And so that's that's tough. That's tough. I think this is just... Again, I, I think you want to look at it big picture with this team because they are so young with their talent. I think you just say, this is what the team is now. And going forward, we can address some of this and we can show this season as an example for them and a learning experience because, again, it's, it's a great season and I'm glad they're trying. I'm glad they got Nishik and Lucroy, but I'm not expecting more than a wild card series win from this team. I'm just not. And maybe that's underselling the team a little bit, but I think the team has had an already monumentally successful year. And you just use this as, all right, maybe this is just the team we are right now, so let's just try and win games this way, and we'll fix some things in the offseason after viewing the whole thing as a whole. Perhaps the biggest success of the year is the fact that the Rockies have really changed the narrative for their franchise. That They actually have looked... It would be very hard to, to knock the Rockies for what they've done because they have made the strides, made the efforts. And I know Ian Desmond hasn't paid off yet. Greg Holland certainly has. The Rockies, I think, for one of the first times in their history, by anyone observing it, would say they have unequivocally, quote-unquote, gone for it. They, they've invested the money. <laughs> yeah. They've made sure they've added it to the trade deadline. They are, they are aggressively hunting for a postseason spot. And I think that changed the narrative around the team, which is very important. Because you're looking at trying to retain Nolan Arenado long-term, Charlie Blackman and DJ LeMay, who are both up for arbitration after this year. So that leads me to the last part. There has been some momentum in town. Giancarlo Stanton, he of the, I don't know, 80 billion home runs, has cleared waivers, reportedly, and can be traded at any time. The Marlins want to get out. Marlins, by the way, are selling potentially to a group that is uh, headlined by Derek Jeter. Okay. They would like to get out from the... 10 years and $295 million still owed to Stanton. There have been a lot of rumblings in town that the Rockies should go for that. It's compounded by Carlos Gonzalez's struggles and the power of Stanton. Here's why I would argue they shouldn't, because you don't want to hand out a $300 million contract to Stanton. No, you didn't hand it out. But if you're adopting it, it's on you. Right. Because that's the minimum 
of what Nolan Arenado gets. And if I'm going to get a, a slugging right fielder yeah. or an MVP caliber third baseman, I'm right. picking the latter Absolutely. every time. And we know that this team cannot yeah. absorb two $300 million contracts. Right. And that ignores what you're going to have to give Blackman, uh-huh. who may be in line for an 8 to $10 million raise next uh-huh. year. No, I think at this point you 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 run the team as the Golden State Warriors. You see the young talent say, look, we could go out and get a huge superstar like Giancarlo Stanton, but then I think that affects some type of, like you were saying, the team chemistry. I think this team is, as of right now, the team of underdogs where you said, you know, we've been sucking for a while, but now it seems like we're finally getting something going. I would try and keep that core group of players together. And so if you're telling me that Charlie Blackman, Nolan Arenado, DJ LeMahieu, Trevor Story, all are staying on the team together, fine. And that, that, that's fine to me. I, I, I agree with you that this team can absolutely not afford John Culler and Nolan Arenado. That's just not possible. Nolan Arenado gets the blank check that he deserves, and I think you just build from there. And it's it's that that's where I would Because you don't have to make the selection. There are two teams in baseball that can afford two $300 million guys. It's the Yankees and the Dodgers. Right. And it's nobody else. Make no mistake. Not even the Red Sox. Not the Angels. Not going to happen. No Coors Field ticket prices are good, but they're not that good. Yeah, they're not that good. Nobody's that good. So we'll, we'll see how that shakes out for the Rockies. Should be a very fascinating last run. And we will be covering it with you right here on the Blake Street Regulars as we have all season long. I We've had 20-something of these that we do them every week. And then... We have the opportunity to come out here a couple times a month to tap 14 as we do enjoy a little Colorado sun, enjoy an awful lot of Colorado beer. Yeah. Responsibly, of course. <laughs> 70 Colorado beers on tap, 100 Colorado distilled spirits. A, uh, a seasonal menu that Chef Taylor Creedon puts together, including a lot of and mostly locally sourced meats. Everything here is Colorado. So, uh, Rockies fan, Broncos fan, Ryan and I also record the Broncos Blitz podcast here too. If you'd like to check that out, you can find it at exactly on the same channel that you're downloading this, whether it's iTunes or Audio Boom or where have you. But we have an opportunity to come out here in about the most Colorado bar as you can get. Yeah. It's a terrific place to talk about the Colorado sports teams. Come on down to Tap 14 anytime, whether it's game day or not. 24-7, 365, this is still your spot. Whether it's snowing or whatever, they have it. It's going to be heated. It can be cooled. You've got it. So terrific. Thanks to Tap 14 for supporting us all season long and continuing to do so as we get into football season. But we'll put that off for now because the Rockies intend on extending a little bit longer into October than you would expect. And we'll be right here with you covering it all. So thanks to Ryan Green. Follow him at rgmilehigh.com on Twitter. And uh, if you want to check out more from me, you can follow me on Twitter at estrotar or listen to Mile High Sports Radio, 1340 AM, 1047 FM in Denver or streaming online and even on demand if you missed a show on milehighsports.com. Thanks very much for tuning in. We'll be back next week. This is a 5280 Sports Network production. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.